Uh, when it was clear that the Fifth Fleet was destroyed, I took every survivor I could aboard the Pegasus and headed straight for Gamora, a most remote supply base. We've been living off them ever since. It's incredible. If they control Gamora, they wield power across half the universe. The only thing I've been able to do is to keep knocking that base down so they can't get a good full strike at me. But I never understood. That's why they didn't send out a force of base ships to finish us off. It's quite clear now why they didn't. Yes, the Galactica. Hmm. They were having trouble with some kind of rebel fleet, but I couldn't break the code. I had no idea that there were any other survivors. Oh, nor did we. You've given a tremendous lift to all our people. And a death blow to the Cylons. We're going to take them now, Adama. This is the turning point. Oh, no, my old friend, the most we can hope to get from the Cylons is some fuel. A military victory is out of the question. What are you talking about? I've had him on the knees in this quadrant. With just one battle star. With two? Ha! I'll finish them. At least on Gamora. And then what? Ah, we'll have all the fuel we need. And a base from which to attack. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. This week, we're discussing old-school Battlestar Galactica, episodes 12 and 13, the two-part The Living Legend. But All first... All the Pegasus. <laughs> I'm Jason. I'm Red. And we're going to do some news. What do you got this week? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. There, no news happened this week. Oh, I didn't say that. You asked what oh. have I got. <laughs> You right, asked, well, what does I got? Well, I will save your ass and uh, discuss one of the, the major happenings this week. Um, I mean, I've got something I want to comment on. Well, well I mean, go ahead. I do have something to comment on. I just don't have, it's not news as, as far as like, hey, this is the breaking thing. Well, go ahead. Comment. Okay. I rented on, via digital because you're trying to make me more 20th century. I did mm -hmm. say 20th century. Right. That's intentional. I'm very much a 19th century person. Um, I rented uh, digitally the Han Solo movie. Oh, so you've seen Han Solo. I have still not seen that yet. I enjoyed that movie thoroughly. It was fun. It was, it, was cool. Was I got no complaints. Too, was it not too dark for you? No. Really? Dark. I saw okay. no dark. I saw no dark at all. So in the first 10 minutes of the movie that I've actually seen, it mm -hmm. seemed really dark. Nah. Okay. Not anymore. I would compare that to the, the cantina when you first see Solo. In fact, I think they paralleled that very nicely. I'll even go so far to say that there is a scene in the movie, because it's been a while, so I don't feel like I'm being too much of a spoiler. There's a scene in the movie where, once again, Han does shoot first. Oh, okay. Well, don't spoil it too much no, I'm because not, I I'm still not, haven't seen it. I'm not. So that's all I'm going to say. Han does shoot first yet again. So it's a trend. He's following a pattern. <laughs> and apparently, yes, the pattern, first. apparently the pattern works unless you're dealing with your own firstborn child. But <laughs> yeah, I had to think for that one for a second, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, but no, the, the, I thought the movie, it was visually very pleasing. I thought the acting was good. I thought the script writing was fun. It fit right into canon. So that, that made me a happy camper. There cool. wasn't any kind of new odd, whatever. And just about the time you think, cause there are a few things, for example, and you can see this in the, uh, uh, the previews when you see the millennium Falcon, mm -hmm. it's like, how the hell is that the millennium Falcon? Yeah, yeah. No, he makes he makes it. No, he makes no. Trust me, it's the Millennium Falcon. By the time he's done with her, it's the Falcon. <laughs> well, and I think one of the one of the things that that happened with Solo is I think they released too many Star Wars movies at the in in too small of a time frame. They they released too many movies in succession too quickly. Yeah, I can see that. So, I mean, we had. Episode, what was it, seven? And then uh, we had 
uh, Rogue One, and then we had Episode Dang. Eight, and then we had Solo. All within the span of four years, I think people got burned out on S- Star Wars. I well, think that's it was a shame. too much, too fast. They should give Solo a shot. And my kid mentioned something to me about they've canceled the Boba Fett movie in favor of focusing on the live-action show The Mandalorian. Well, it wasn't the Boba Fett movie, from what I understand, that they canceled. It was the um, it was the upcoming Obi Wan com- movie. Oh. And yeah, they're gonna they're gonna focus on the Mandalorian series that they're gonna be streaming on Disney Plus. I still think that's gonna be a good show. Right. It's got the potential to be really good. I think so. Speaking yeah, of guys, Boba Fett. Well, real quick, real quick, just guys, please give Solo a shot. It was fun. I've decided I'm probably gonna buy the damn thing. I'm gonna go ahead and go with the whole full twenty dollar investment, five bucks to rent it, fifteen to own it. Nice. That's what I'm gonna so, do. Speaking of Boba Fett, this is one of my news items. Not really the one I wanted to start out on, but it's a good segue. Um, Mark Hamill actually pitched having his mom turn out to be Boba Fett. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So but that's no way. I mean, was that back when the show very first started out? Because Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would have that would have had to have been actually when they were they were filming and, and screenwriting. Okay, but the yeah, I could definitely see Mama gets a little dark after the birth. I mean, it's your typical Jerry Springer mom and dad got issues thing. Dad becomes the dark lord of the Sith, mom becomes a bounty hunter. Yeah. So according to Mark Hamill's Twitter How would Dr. Phil handle that? Right. Um, according to Mark Hamill's Twitter, he's, he tweeted out, I once suggested it to George as the only way we could top Vader being my father. I envisioned right. her as a double agent working clandestinely for the Rebels. Spoiler alert, he didn't like my idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just see Dr. Phil. All right now, Darth Vader, now you just got to relax. Like my daddy used to say, when the donut's got too much butter, it's time to put a new rod on the reel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dr. Phil. <laughs> Oh, oh shit. So the the news item I originally was going to lead with, um, of course, we lost Stan Lee this last week. And, that is a shame. Uh, but man, ninety five. Oh yeah, he, he was had able. A, he had a long, that, rich life. The fact that he outlived his wife by two years after what forty seven years of marriage, or no, yeah. no, it was sixty. Was it? It was like sixty seven years of marriage, I think. Yeah, I'm not familiar with his mar- marital life. So no, no, no. It was a long time. A lot of time. Women most often can outlive uh, men better than the other way around. Sure. And the fact that he was able to go two years without his partner at his side and still, I mean, it's just remarkable. Mazel tov to him. He has earned the rest. Yeah, but I mean, he he and was we're a- all enriched. He was a great writer. Um, of course, he he was the face of Marvel for yeah. you know 40, 50, 60 years. Um, he, and hopefully, uh, he will keep being thus, and his children will continue getting royalties. Yeah. So, you know, he's done a lot of uh, cameos in pretty much every Marvel movie that's been made. I bet and, he still will too. Yeah, that's the that's the rumor is that he pre-records a lot of that. Um, so we we might still see cameos from him in, in future Marvel movies. That'll, that'll be cool. Excelsior, exactly. Um, another uh, person that's related to sci-fi also died recently. Uh, that's Douglas Rain. He was the voice of... You got me. HAL 9000. Really? Yes. Okay. So he he's he's I'm recently passed that. as well. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, Jason. <laughs> so, um very very sad news this week. Uh glad that we're going to reach into the crowd uh, the crowd. The crowd. <laughs> all right, ladies and the gentlemen, it's all right. Welcome aboard the HMS Fuck all. We're going to reach into the crowd here. Reach into the pod crawl with uh, some down news this week, but uh, are you ready for it? Armaty. Let's do it. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl? The pod crawl! 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 Pod
crawl. Excellent. Inserted deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Starbuck and Apollo are on patrol when they get attacked by two unknown fighter craft. These are more aggressive than any Cylon fighters they'd encountered before. After some amazing recycled evasive action flight scenes, the dynamic duo are made aware that their adversaries are in fact colonial warriors from another Battlestar. Their mouths agape, like the bows of their vipers, they feast their eyes on the fracking Battlestar Pegasus. Aboard the Pegasus they learn that the ship has been fighting the Cylons in a lone mission to end the evil Cylon threat all on their own for over two yarns. Can you say Colonel Kurt's boys and girls? Roll track the ride of the Valkyries. The two warriors are then taken to the quarters of none other than the commander himself, Colonel Kurtz, ere I mean General Patton, uh, that is to say Commander Kane. Each are dumb, that is dumbfoundedly happy to enjoy some cool aid i.e. ambrosia while they enjoy a chance to bask in the machismo of Kane as he explains why he is truly all that is man. Back aboard the Galactica the two missing pilots are about to be mourned in their sacrifice for the fleeing human fleet when the Pegasus appears on their scanners. Colonel General Kurtz Patton Jim Jones, I mean, Commander Kane heretofore known as Messiah interrupts the regularly scheduled program to announce his magnificence to Adama and the rest of his new flock, er, survivors of humanity. They discuss the miracle of his being alive, the plight of humanity after the Cylon attack, where was Kane when that happened again? And the fact that they can easily destroy the entire Cylon Empire with only two battle stars if Adama will just take a sip of the tropical drink Kane has brought along. Right. Refusing this delicious repast, Adama, citing blood sugar concerns or something, he reminds the Messiah that if that were to occur then the show would be over and the awkward writing of the next series would be for naught. <laughs> no, we must simply steal some gas from the Cylons and move along to the mythical Earth where even now the Iranians are about to release 60 hostages once the Messiah's uncle Ron takes office after 444 days in captivity. So the Messiah sadly agrees to comply. While trying to steal he accidentally destroys the gas ships they plan to steal with 78 accidental direct hits to 43 exactly targeted systems. Now we must attack their base and begin the destruction of the Cylon Empire. Again Adama refuses a snack from the Messiah's hand, now in the deceptive form of an appealing chewable tablet just like the cool kids like. He states we must only get some gas and leave due to the three base ships that are approaching. Saddened, the Messiah leaves and begins to plan how to desert this smarty pants with dreams of a Galactica 1980. <laughs> During their pit stop the base ships do indeed arrive and Kane makes a heroic attack for his own glory. With the help of his two acolytes Apollo and Starstruck he blows Starstruck. the track out of two of the three ships and chases Baltar off into the universe. Leaving the fleet, Adama, Apollo and Starstruck, oh and all of his vipers with the ragtag fleet, the messiah moves off to a better network and far better show. <laughs> oh yeah, he also leaves his super sexy daughter and ex-girlfriend Cassiopeia, watch the show for the poop on that kiddies. Roll credits. What do you think? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> you know, I was very disappointed in myself when I wrote that crawl. Why is that? Because I love this episode, this two-parter. It's, it's actually this is a pretty the, good episode. This is the two-parter that sums up the series for me as a child. And I really enjoyed it. And then I'm sitting here in front of my word processor. And I'm starting to type. And every time I try and type something, I get this, this nagging, oppressive, stench-filled voice <laughs> wafting across my ears. And, oh, it's just... <laughs> I recognize it's you. It's the ghost of you. Hey, stench-filled. Yes, because you were besmirching the glory <laughs> and the honor of Battlestar Galactica. And the next thing I know, my muse has been inspired as I sit and basically, well, what would, what would Jason say? <laughs> and that is what I did. I channeled you. Channel I channeled me. you. I thought I felt fuzzy for a minute. I'm telling you, but yeah, and, and the more I got into it, the more I recognized, yeah, this is actually pretty fucking dead on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is Where the, the hell is, was, I mean, they said he disappeared at the Battle of Molokai over two years ago. Well, well they, they kind of explained that. They said that he basically just shot, uh, pointed himself to deep space and headed that way so that he didn't drag the Cylons back to where they, uh, back to the yeah, home but, worlds. but that happened before the slaughter, the massacre at the armistice battle. Right. So he could have turned around and come back eventually, I don't know, for repairs, file well, a report. Yeah, but I guess he was fucking around in that one star system with the the central Cylon command. Sure, yeah. Hey, I, I understand Colonel Kurtz has got to do what Colonel Kurtz has got to do. Kurtz right. has got to Kurtz. Kurtz is gonna Kurtz. 
Kurtz is going to Kurtz. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is definitely a better episode than what we've seen uh, now, recently. Children, if you're not sure, you should Google Colonel Kurtz. But and yeah. Jim Jones and General Patton to really get the humor. It's yeah, funny. Yeah, he's definitely fucking Patton in space. And when he oh, was yeah. talking with <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind when he was talking with Adama saying, you know, with, with we have two base stars now, we can march straight into Palermo. Battle stars, yeah, battle stars. Base stars. Base battle stars. <laughs> oh, whatever. I know, yeah. And they, they had twelve. Twelve of them. And there was also uh, a neat little uh, blurb they threw out in this episode where they said that there were three base ships approaching the, the colonial fleet, which is at a dead stop because of running out of fuel. Mm -hmm. And that they didn't use more than three base stars to entirely destroy 12, well, 11 battle stars. Yeah, 11 battle stars. Three base stars. Three base stars took out that. So I'm just thinking... Wow, these guys must be amazing, you know. So apparently they could have had the entire war over if Colonel Kurtz, I mean, the the Messiah, had just returned with the Pegasus. Yeah, and you never did hear how many base stars he was taking on whenever he fought that battle that, that pointed him out to deep space. Right. I mean, if it was just a kind of a one-on-one -on -one base star, then why was he retreating? Yeah, I don't. There's some definitely some inconsistencies in his in his uh, you know tactical genius, and they keep calling him a, a strategist. He is not a strategist. He is a tactician. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He are, doesn't look at the long game. He doesn't the, look at at right. You know the the future and what his tactics, what what goals his tactics this are being gets designed back to. to your to your splinter under your skin when it comes to the writing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's they, these, these guys don't know what words mean. <laughs> James with words. So he's James a brilliant tactician. Words. He is not a good strategist. Adama yes. is a strategist. And that's why Adama was saying, no, I'm not taking both of these base stars to take over that planet and leave the rest of the fucking fleet, you know, hanging in the wind. Right. Because, right. well, you know, they're all excited, you know. I mean, Animal House came out about the same time. We had that little discussion <laughs> with the cucumber. People are sensuous, vegetables are sensual. Right. <laughs> You're right, right. So yeah, they they keep calling him a strategist. He's he's a tactician. He's not a strategist. Patton was a strategist. I mean, Patton he, was God, <laughs> right? And he and this this guy is definitely modeled off of of Patton and Kurtz and. Actually, Patton sounded more like this. Yes, that's true. That's, that's a shame. He hated his own voice. Yeah, George C. Scott's portrayal of Patton. Oh, was, Patton would have loved it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame for a man of six foot four stature, an athlete, excellent general in, in you know, the break glassing event of World War occurs kind of guy to have such a high pitched nasally voice. Right. Yeah. It's kind of something's gotta keep him on. It was it was different the first time I ever read or listened to Actually one of his heard. speeches. Yeah. It was Yeah, you're like, Whoa, wait this? a minute. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't George C. Scott. What the hell? This is this is a stenographer like doing a reading. What is this? Yeah, that's funny. But no, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was totally, totally fun, especially when Baltar has his special Cylon hat on. I want one of those at my job. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want. I want that hat. Yeah, that gold helmet that he had. The only oh, thing man. missing was it didn't have the light going back and forth. It was fixed. I know. I know. He didn't have it. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to see anything. But do you see how thick that fucking thing was? If that was Whoa. actual gold, that thing would have weighed fifty pounds. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure it wasn't wasn't actual. It was that super metal. It was that Roswell crash metal. Right. <laughs> but no, that was just great. And of course, anytime I just wish they would have had a, a scene where you actually saw both battle stars together. 
So doing some maneuvering or something that would have been. Fun. Yeah, that would have been cool. I got a question for you. Um, again, with the writers not knowing what words are, what uh-huh. is what is a visual echo? Uh, I call it too much ambrosia. I, call I get it a, those once in a while. I call it a reflection. I've had visual echoes. A visual echo, right. <laughs> I've had visual echoes. We've had a few of these episodes we've done at night. It's got to be 5 o'clock somewhere. Time for some visual yeah. echo. Hey, we should, we should actually market a smoking and drinking in space bourbon, and we can call it visual, visual echo. echo. Yes, I agree. We should do that. Let's, well, let's get into it. Let's go. Come on. I got a bathtub. Let's mix some up. Mm, bathtub bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll have to work below the dirt ring in my tub, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> it tastes like the steps of Russia. <laughs> I love That's how- okay. There's no dirt ring. I don't bathe. So I like how Kane's, you know, genius and tactics is basically use the other guys as a decoy and then come in on the flank and and mop everything up. Well, yeah, that's he he did that basically three times in the episode. Oh yeah, I like how he did it first with Blue Squadron. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you guys go straight in there and take all the fire. Then we'll tear it up. Yeah, tear it up. Tear it up. <laughs> I'm not picking anything up on the scanners. <laughs> That's because they're hiding in that spot we can't scan. Won't you fly in there? Kick kick some dirt around. Make a noise. But Dama is is definitely, I think, a little craftier than he is. And I think Adama pretty much saw through his bullshit. Or maybe he knew Kane from before and knew how big of a bullshitter he was. So when Kane <sighs> came back and and basically, you know said, I don't know how those tankers blew up. I guess there was some crossfire. Yeah. <laughs> kind of looked at him like, uh-huh. Must have been Blue Squadron. Yeah. They went in there first. Yeah. He basically looked at him and said, eh, yeah, uh, you're, you're full of shit. And so then Kane uh-huh. says, well, now we have to take over the planet. And Adama says, no, we don't. You're full up of fuel. So what we're going to do is we're going to take half your shit and distribute it out and then go find some fuel elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of little uh, nibbles like that in this episode or these two episodes that you're going to see uh, remastered, redone in uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica when the Pegasus and Admiral Kane show up. Oh, really? Oh, yes. A lot of those same issues. Uh, a whole lot about fuel, for sure. Now is Adama in the in the reboot an admiral at that point, or is he still just commander? No, he's still just commander. So Admiral Kane is the is the ranking officer at that point, right? In the reboot, yes. Yeah, and that's that's the key element of the episode. In fact, uh, Adama's not made an admiral in the reboot series until after Admiral Kane is no longer in the show. And there's still the Battle Stars, Pegasus, and Galactica, and you cannot be a commander and be in charge of more than one Battle Star. Ah. You have to be an admiral, and so President Roslin promotes Adama to admiral. Well, isn't that convenient? Yeah. So I'm I'm really not liking how they're <laughs> <laughs> they're making. Let's just get right back let's into just the get criticism. right back into here. Um, I really don't like how they're making Baltar into more and more of a cartoonish character with each episode. Dude, when he put that helmet on, I was seeing Wild E. Coyote. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that does look like kind of that that mind-control helmet uh-huh, that he puts uh-huh, on every once in a while, uh-huh. doesn't it? Yes, Jeez. yes. You're right. Yeah, uh-huh. and he acts more and more like Wild E. Coyote. Pretty soon he's just going to have a big bomb that says Acme on the side. That oh, absolutely! The battle star, yeah. It's on the side of the Cylons, actually, near the belt, where they got that sword that they use so often. <laughs> Says Acme. <laughs> oh, now we just got to figure out how those base stars can go. Minute, bang! You know, ooh, that would be great if we did that with a Viper. They hit the turbos. Minute, bang! <laughs> Zach got chased again. That was good to see. Yeah, yeah. And we got to see the daughter of June Lockhart. I know. So that was driving me fucking nuts. 
that I she looks so familiar. She looks so familiar. I was like, what have I seen her in before? And so and, then I got on her IMDb page and looked uh, up and down her fucking credits. She's got a lot of fucking credits, mostly uncredited. Has. I mean, she's uh -huh. done a lot of shit, but most of it's uncredited. And I was like, I've, I haven't seen her in anything else that I would have recognized her in. I mean, she's mm. had some bit roles in, in various series throughout the 80s and 90s, but I mean, nothing that was recurring or, you know, a starring mm. role. And so then I was looking at... And yet she's still more financially liquid than both of us. Oh, yeah, probably. She's done tons of voiceovers <laughs> and shit, so, and, yeah. And might I add, is she just not... I mean, I, I don't know what she looks like now, but back then, she was just had that refreshing, wholesome beauty. Yeah, yeah, she... she just... Just lovely, she's lovely. She's easy young lady. to look at, definitely. Very much so. I personally think she's more attractive than Cassiopeia. I can see that. I can see that. But no. So I was I was reading her bio, and then it said that she was the daughter of June Lockhart, and that just instantly clicked. Oh, that's where uh -huh. I'm recognizing her. I'm seeing her mom. And right. not her. Yeah. So her I mom started, was a bit of a wow, wow back in the day, too. Yeah. So I started looking at some some pictures of her mom. And yeah, she looks a lot like her mom. She does. Did she really at the does. same age. So. so it stays in the family, acting and science fiction. Right. Yeah. Because Lost in Space, she did Lassie and mm -hmm. some other stuff that I don't remember. <laughs> but no, I thought that was great. And Kane, we've got the we've got the December spring romance going on. Yeah, I, I wrote May Starstruck. November, yeah. Starstruck is got some competition because the Messiah has arrived. That's right. Yeah, Lloyd Bridges' dick must like shoot rainbows and unicorns or something cuz yeah. He's he's definitely not as charming as as Starbucks, so yeah, but I bet you he commits more. <laughs> you think so? Oh, I think he commits. Maybe it's all that strategy. Maybe he's I think it's his eyebrows. <laughs> I think it's his eyebrows. He's got some epic fucking eyebrows, doesn't he? There's some eyebrow action going on there. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, Embrace your inner mammal. Let them eyebrows grow together. It's hard for me to see Lloyd Bridges in a serious role because I saw him so much in comedic roles in the 80s. Oh, and he's so good at it. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's excellent at it. And then I see... Uh, his kids, every time I look at him, I mean, he... The dude. Yeah, but Bo that Bridges... That is the father of the dude. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. But Bo Bridges actually looks more like his dad than Jeff Bridges He does. does. He does. But when when he smiles, though, they got daddies. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Both of them. When you look at the fabulous Baker Boys, great movie. I'm telling you, the smile that they throw out is just all Sea Hunt. You ever watch Sea Hunt? I didn't. That was Lloyd Bridges' uh, television series. And it was, uh, basically, he was a, a UDT specialist. Okay. And just, just your basic, typical, early 60s action-adventure show. Yeah. But, um, of course, there was lots of shots with him just in a pair of swim trunks. Oh. And, and he's had those eyebrows ad nauseum, I mean, forever. Well, I mean, and those eyebrows got bigger as he got older. I mean, he was... Well, yeah. He's probably what you would say in his early 50s at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so... i there. In the 80s, he was, you know, in his 60s and, and doing comedy, and those eyebrows were just massive, so... Well, yeah. But no, I just, I just got the biggest kick out of... I mean, there was nothing. Lloyd Bridges, Commander Kane's character, challenges... Adama on the Battlestar level challenges Apollo and the, on the Viper pilot level challenges <laughs> Starstruck on the libido level. It even challenges Adama on the father level because his kid is a Viper pilot too. And his kid's better than Adama's kid because she uh, owned Apollo. Is she really better? I'm thinking she was in the beginning because neither one of them could shake their attacks. And, I mean, Starbuck was having to deal with Bojangles on his butt from the Dukes of Hazard. He couldn't. I mean, the only thing missing was a yee-haw the way that guy was talking. <laughs> well, and I love how I love at the beginning when they, when they decide, you know, when Starbuck and Apollo break, which is classic fighter strategy, you always, you know, fuck a wingman, let's go. And then uh, – 
I like how a citizen. I got the one on the left. I got the one. No, they're just dead on the left, dead on the right. I mean, that is some confidence. Yeah, yeah. And I think they were meaning it. I think they were about to blow both of them straight to straight well, to whatever. But is it is it standard operating procedure to start shooting on something before you've identified it? What under Kane? <laughs> Yeah, I right, guess why so. Why do you want to say that again? <laughs> do you want to rethink that question? Well, yeah, okay. Under Kane, maybe. They knew, for, for, number one, they they are operating from the premise that they're it. Okay. So they're just going to start shooting on, I mean, the Galactica two, has come across. Number, number two, number two, they are deep inside Cylon territory. Yeah, but the Galactica has been deep inside Cylon territory and they've come across human settlements. They have, they have. And look at what you think of those episodes. We had to skip a couple of those human settlement episodes. Well, so because they're poorly written doesn't mean that, you know, human episodes should be shot at without being identified. I mean, come on. <laughs> they could have been taking shooting. A lot at of, you're taking a lot of fun out of war. They could have been shooting at a what fucking rock at. for all they knew. All they knew is that they got a hey, blip on their scanners. Hey, if Cheney had thought about that, we wouldn't have got the joy of him shooting an attorney in the face. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's <laughs> if it moves, it's a target. Yeah. Let me take you back to Full Metal Jacket. But I'm, If they run, they're a VC. If they don't run, they're a well-trained VC. Oh, my God. But now... Um, I'm not sure that uh, that uh, Sheba is actually better a better pilot than Apollo. I mean, we did see her get the jump on Apollo and Starbuck, and you know, there could have been. I mean, she could have taken Apollo out maybe before she got him identified. But I mean, it's okay. They she got becomes the jump. mediocre. She becomes mediocre in the rest of the show. Oh well, I mean. I don't know. I just didn't see any evidence that she was better than Apollo because when they got the jump on Apollo and Starbuck, they started shooting and they missed. And it's not like Apollo well, that's, and that's, Starbuck. That's were, when they that's when they were identifying. <laughs> right. We're just gonna shoot around you until we identify you. Yeah. We're gonna alert you to our presence before we. No, get no. They were trying to kill him. Well, they, they missed. were trying to kill him. But like when they missed, were, because that was just because of recycled combat footage. Oh. They were doing their evasive maneuvers that, wait a minute, Cylons would already be dead by now. I'm going to go ahead and take a look and see what these guys have that's being able to outmaneuver my well-placed shots. Even though and they were flying straight and steady. Well, it was straight and steady to you because of the Heisenberg camera mount. Oh, yeah, that steady cam that's evens right. everything out. Oh, gotcha. That's right. I got gotcha. you. Okay, okay. Can't believe I gotta explain this shit to you. You're right. Yeah, I can't so, believe it either. The thing, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, this there there it is what it is. It was what it was. You're a better person for experiencing this episode. I am. I am. I'm more enriched. The ex the life experience of of seeing these episodes is. But if Kane did survive. If the Pegasus did in fact survive, what happened to the third Battlestar? Because the other two are dead, or Base Star, the other two are dead. So either uh, Baltar destroyed Kane, or Kane went off into deep space with an aircraft carrier with no more aircraft. Yeah, that's true. And they didn't say that you know the the Pegasus was destroyed. They, yeah, they so definitely left the Pegasus, that open. I think the Pegasus has just become the most heavily armed freighter. In the galaxy. <laughs> this is the first time we've seen missiles, too. And I like how they pulled out some archival actual missile footage to, to show that. They did a little missile footage and they did a little Apollo footage. Did they do Apollo footage? I've missed that. Yeah, that was the command module popping out. I want to say that was Apollo 8. Oh, I yeah, I totally missed that. I didn't see where that you saw all. the engine bell coming out of the third stage. Oh, so that's I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was Apollo Eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have recognized that. Well, that's because you actually have a woman in your life that keeps you distracted. You're not a full geek anymore. True, true. If you were single like me, 
Well, my goodness, that's, that's an engine bell off the Apollo 8 thing, I do believe. Shortly after they had uh, dehydrated mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's like, dude, you need a date. <laughs> what's, what's that? Are you referring to the fruit? <laughs> oh, and of course, Apollo and Starbucks stare at the huge explosions. We get to see Lord Helmet's dad again. That, that was always fun. The imperious yes. leader. Yes. Finally figured out that's not his head. That's a headdress. Right. What I found very interesting, because if you look at the action figure for the imperious leader, it looks like some kind of a weird reptilian bug, and that's more like an afro. Really? But in this episode, yeah, Google it. Google the imperious leader action figure. Okay. You got big googly eyes and a weird mouth and kind of looks like Jar Jar Binks. Well, do we ever see the Imperious leader's face in Not this from series? The front. Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. think so. So I guess but they you just do kinda, in the action figure. I guess they just kind of guessed <laughs> when they were making that action figure. Well, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like from the front. Well, let's put big googly eyes on him. Googly eyes. Um, we get a good look at the good old Galactica discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's disobeying orders again. Oh, and Apollo. Have you looked at the imperious leader? <laughs> and Apollo. No, I have not. You need to look. Oh, right now? Yes. Uh, all right. Search on the fly music. I'm looking. Looking, looking, looking. Imperious leader action figure. Oh my god, it does look like... Yeah, that's not Cylon-esque. Well, the thing was, they were saying he was the sole surviving original Cylon, and he had control of all the robots. Oh, so that's it. Okay. But, in in the episode prior to this, when Lucifer was saying that he was made of the same series as the Imperious Leader, that's when things started changing around a little bit. Well, and from what I understand, this is the last time you see the Imperious Leader in the series. Right. But if you look at his head from behind. Yeah, that's true. It looks like an afro. Yeah. As opposed to that that headdress thing. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is just another example of the tight writing that we've come to expect from, from, uh, from this series. The consistency and uh oh my god so he's pink have you seen him like the actual action figure without that stupid red cape that he's got i never bought him i thought he looked so stupid as a kid i never got him yeah it's (laughs) i actually had moffat the daggett really but i didn't have the imperious leader because i thought the imperious leader was too stupid looking so i thought moffat's so he's the daggett he looks like this pink kind of gecko-y lizard with a purple afro. Um, He's got like flippers for hands and some sort of weird webbed feet. Um, And he's got nipples on his back. Nipples on his back? Yeah. Nice. A big That's something something even Six doesn't say she's got. (laughs) Six doesn't even have that. And you can own this for only twenty five forty nine on eBay. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. But you've got Starbuck from the original versus Starbuck from the reboot, each in a Mark II. Okay. Who's going to win? I'm going to go Starbuck from the uh, new series. No way. What are you talking about? No way. Starbuck in Can't the original happen. is not that great of a pilot. I mean, we've seen him he is do an amazing. Oh, pilot. whatever. We haven't seen him do anything that anybody, any other pilot has done. Yeah, we have. What? The original series has air flaps. Yes, we reverse flaps. We did, <laughs> we did see him turn on flaps in space. You're right. That's right. Flaps in space, baby, and he's got laser torpedoes. Laser torpedoes. Yeah, she's got fucking small slugs that go really, really fast. I guess he's gonna I guess they're flying a Mark One. 
is what I'm thinking. Is it a Mark One or Mark Two? No, nah, because it was a Mark Two. It would fly better. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the same. I thought it was the same uh, same Mark as what they had as. On no, in fact, if you go back to if you go back to the first episode of the reboot, you'll see a Mark One Viper way in the back distance. Yeah, yeah. Much, much bigger and bulkier than the Mark II. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I think we discussed that before. I thought it was the we, same. We have. We have. No, I think it's different. I'm going to stay with that. Okay. I think they're in the Mark I Viper. And, you know, because, I mean, I can only imagine what the humans were flying when Colonel Ty and Adama from the original show were talking about their days. And they are like, oh, these are a lot more advanced than what we flew. Biplanes in space. <laughs> but yeah, that's the episode, kids. That's it. That's the episode. And you can't really appreciate it if you don't also watch Apocalypse Now and Patton. Yep. Yeah, they basically took uh, those two generals and mushed them all up. To, although Kurtz was a colonel. So they took General Patton and Colonel Kurtz and kind of mushed it's them up. It's the same and, when you do the military thing. They're the commander and a colonel. That's true. An, arm, an army colonel. I mean, it's technically a Navy captain, but when you look at the command structure and what they would be in charge of. Yeah, the, the Galactica and this whole series has a weird command structure anyway. Yeah, Colonel Ty... And then in, in, in uh, Galactica 1980, Colonel Ty is replaced with Colonel Boomer. Colonel Boomer. So Colonel, yeah. so Boomer went from a lieutenant all the way up to a colonel? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a promotion. And he's, and he's, got, and he's got a little bit of that, that distinguished gray going on at the temples that I wish I could get. Someday. Someday you'll get old someday. enough to do that. Yeah. Uh, maybe. You'll grow up. Just don't push it. All right. So... Uh, Who's got your your Black Lung Award this episode? Oh, Black Lung Award. This time, I'm also going to have to go with Starbucks. Starbucks? Yeah. Why? Because he was the only one smoking. Yeah, that's all I, I saw. Was ex- I, was ex- I honestly remembered Lloyd Bridges smoking, but I guess that was just me and a overlay from Patton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Starbucks got mine on this one for the same reason. Uh, my head lush award is gonna go to uh, uh, Colonel Kurtz, Patton, <laughs> yeah, to Commander Kane um, for basically you know buying in the everybody. everybody around. Dude, this is scary. We're agreeing. That's two for two. Two for two. So he's got yours as well. Oh yeah. All right. Well, who's got your uh, who's, who's uh-huh. got your player award? Cassiopeia. Really? Yeah, she's rocking it from the old and the new. That's true. She is. You're right. So my player award is going to go with uh, with Commander Kane again. Dude's oh, been uh, gone for years. Comes right? back and Cassiopeia drops Starbuck like a bad habit to go see Kane. And that's why she's the player. No, he's the player. He's got her wrapped. Oh, she's got them both wrapped. Mm. Mama snaps her fingers and tails start wagging. <laughs> I can see your point. I can see your point. One of the two of them should have said, no, I'm going to be a man and I'm going to step away from this. Instead, they're both like, I want to treat mama. I want to treat mama. <laughs> uh, who's, got your, uh, who's got your purple hippo? The entire crew of the Pegasus. Yeah. They are so deluded <laughs> following this madman. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, they've definitely they've got they've got vats of Kool Aid on the Pegasus. Yeah, the Pegasus is definitely cult like. He's he's got a following that goes beyond just loyalty and and duty. I mean, think about it. They even followed him viperless into combat against two, no, three base stars. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't question it. No. They didn't question it. Yeah, I like how he said, we're going to go straight in between these two base stars, and his guy was just like, uh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> just said, bet. <laughs> Got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're the boss. It's all disco to me, man. <laughs> yeah. 
So my Purple Hippo Award is going to go to Apollo and Starbuck after they stared at the humongous explosion on the base stars. Because you know they were seeing yeah. some after images of some purple hippos. I forgot that about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, you'd think they'd been used to it by now. What humongous explosions from like huge missiles coming out of the base? <laughs> First time it's happened. Yeah, but they've seen plenty of humongous explosions when the fleet got blown to hell. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I would imagine <laughs> a battle star makes a pretty good pop. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Uh. <laughs> but, you know, they're not used to it yet. Oh, that's a good one. Well, that was a good one. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed this episode. It was it was a much better episode than we've we've fun, talked about. Fun in the past, to pick so, apart. Yeah. Fun to pick apart. It was. It was it was a good episode. So, so for our next episode, the next one in line is Fire in Space. Now you've seen this, I haven't. Fire yeah. in Space seems kind of stupid anyway. But <laughs> I was wondering if you were gonna go on that. Um so I should say fire in a vacuum is is fairly stupid, but um I mean you could have well, you could you could have like zero G fire, I guess, if you've got an atmosphere, but Well if there's atmosphere enough of it pumping into the fire, I would imagine you could see tendrils of flame as they disappeared in the vacuum. Well, maybe. I mean that's going to be a that's going to be a fast burn. You're gonna, so you you have you have three elements that make up a fire, right? You have heat, you have oxygen, you have fuel. And color. <laughs> sure, color. I've seen I've seen blue fire, I've seen green fire. Right, right, right. I've seen red fire. It depends on the fuel, but Uh-huh. So if you eliminate and any one color. of those three things, you don't have fire anymore. You can even hear it. You can hear it. In space. You can hear that fire in space. <laughs> so you've seen this hey, episode. If you can't have fire in space, how do you explain a star? Huh? Huh? It's got, so there, it's got yeah. heat from yeah. the gravity of all of that hydrogen uh-huh. and helium rubbing together. Uh-huh. Every, everything's got gravity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's, it's not really fire. It's a nuclear reaction. It's fire. It kind of is. You, yeah. you, you, you look at pictures of star. It have fire. It, it's, mm. It have flame. Mm. It even have rope of flame. Yeah, that's plasma. That burn. <laughs> it is hot. You are correct. It is hot. <laughs> Not really fire, but. <laughs> Um, so you've seen this episode. Is it worth watching? Is it worth reviewing? Uh, I, you know, honestly, the, you, you've been really in a good way. You've been very critical in a good way. I don't know that the rest of the series is worth your time. Really? After this episode. So, you know, so War of the Gods wouldn't be? It's another two-parter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If unless 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 you can uh I think it would be fun for you to experience space Nazis and Oh, is that what this is? The scare the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz acting as an android. Which one is that? But I can't remember. Um, I'd have to do some quick checking real real fast. It's not a two-parter. It's a one-parter. It's another Western world. Well, we've got the man with nine lives. Uh, an old con man known as Chameleon meets Starbuck and convinces him that... Yeah, that's, fr- that's played by Fred Astaire. Really? Okay. Yeah, Fred Astaire plays Starbuck's dad. Okay. So that's, uh, that's the man with nine lives. Then we've got Murder on the Rising Star... Yawn. Okay. Uh, and then we've got Greetings from Earth, Parts 1 and 2. Yeah, that's where the I told you about the uh, stellar cartography via a sextant <laughs> on the multiple bubble uh, locations across the Galactica because they didn't have computers yeah. that could handle. They could handle fusion reactors, but they can't handle simple computations. Oh, God. Moving in on. three dimensions. <laughs> Just saying. Moving on. Baltar's escape. Yeah, because in those episodes, Baltar tries to convince them just by showing up in a Cylon Raider. 
that he's there and they just, they take him, put him in prison and they take his two Cylon buddies apart. <laughs> trying to figure out how they work. Um, and then after Baltar's escape, we have experiment in Terra. Yeah, Terra is the one with the space knife. Okay, so Apollo and Starbuck follow the escaped Eastern Alliance ship. Yeah, the Eastern Alliance, that when, when uh, Baltar escapes, so do those freaky-looking bounty hunters that throw those weird lanyard things, the real big, mean-looking dudes. Uh-huh. And that's also when the space Nazis escape. So one of those previous episodes is uh, the space Nazis. Okay. Because the space Nazis escape along with Baltar and all the bad guys on the Galactica. Oh, okay. With the help of the race of white lights that had earlier helped them defeat Count Iblis. So that's uh, that's yeah. War of the Gods. And, yeah, and Count Iblis is the voice of the imperious leader. Okay. Yeah, it's actually played by Patrick. Um, what's the guy's name that does the voice? There are those that believe. Oh, Life that's the here. that's the, the voice, the narrator. Yeah, Patrick McNee. McNee. Yeah, Patrick McNee actually takes on a physical role. He comes in, and he's basically claiming to be a god, a messiah. Yeah, all a seemingly and all he's powerful gonna, being named Count yeah, Iblis. Yeah, they're gonna. He's gonna bring everybody to Earth, and then there's this. Close encounters with a third kind esque starship that you never really get a good look at. Um, other than just a bunch of real damn bright lights. I mean, it can outrun a Viper and it's bigger than a battle star. Um they're they're they become they're basically chasing Count Iblis. Okay. But Count Iblis, even Baltar recognizes that the voice of the imperious leader and Count Iblis are one and the same. Hmm. And Iblis never confirms nor denies anything. Hmm. He just kind of lets him go, yeah, I'm your daddy, kind of type thing. But the thing is, the the intrigue that you're getting from it right now is not going to counteract the shit you're going to find wrong with it. <laughs> so you're making it sound much better than it actually is. Well, I'm telling you from the mind of a kid that used to watch these things <laughs> over and over and over again. I mean, I, I just become childlike again when I watch this. Sure. Until I write a pod crawl about it, <laughs> and then my inner Jason comes out. <laughs> I felt dirty writing that pod crawl. I was unclean. Unclean. It was the walk of shame. My 10 turned into a 2. Well, you know, you did too well. You did too well at it to uh have hated it that much. It was pretty good pod. It crawl. was pretty good pod crawl. <laughs> it was okay. No, really, I don't see anything in the rest of the series that garners your attention. All right. The writing doesn't really get any better. It's it's more of the same. The space Nazis were fun, but the more I think about it, really, the only thing that's a real jaw dropper is when they're they're just the Alliance is the most powerful force in the known universe. I'm like, well, maybe in what you know. <laughs> and then uh, when they're finally able to get the upper hand on them, and uh, they have control of that space U-boat, <laughs> which is basically what it is. <laughs> They the, the the commander has a a clenching moist movement in his trousers. <laughs> Bring me my brown pants when he sees that his his alliance attack ship is going to land in one of the bays on the Galactic. <laughs> because you know that uh you know, colonial one in the reboot? Yeah. Uh the the attack ship that the Terrans are in. It's got a crew of like seven, and it's about a third as big as the Colonial One. Okay. So. Well, if we're uh, if we're done with old school BSG, I think I think we should. All right. I know that you were really looking forward to doing old school BSG, which is I, I and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I haven't. And don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed it too. I've I've enjoyed talking to you about it. It, The writing is bad. And all of the episodes that we've watched are better than water. Yeah. Well, no, not all of them. Yes. Most of them. (laughs) 
Which one wasn't up to the scale of water? Uh, the Old West episode. <laughs> with Red Eye. With Red Eye, yeah, that was not as good as water. What broke it for you with Red Eye? Uh, the aluminum fucking hats. <laughs> See, that's a fashion faux pas. I thought you were going to say a horse that could support a Cylon. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I could see, you know, species of, of animals on different planets being able to support that much weight. No, the aluminum fucking hats. The aluminum hats. All right. All right. <clears throat> so that's the water is better than aluminum hats. Yes. Okay. All right, then. Well, might I, might I make a suggestion then? What's that? If we ever get to Buck Rogers in the 25th century with Gil Gerard and Aaron and uh, Aaron Gray, uh-huh. we only do the first two episodes. Okay. Because Why? you're you're not going to be happy with anything else. I remember a lot of the Buck Especially Rogers episodes. Especially the second season where they introduced Hawk. Hawk and the <laughs> Starship Searcher. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, they were on a starship and, instead of a base. Oh, well, and, basically, they tried to turn Buck Rogers into Star Trek. Yeah. They were, they got rid of Glenn Larson and uh, from the first from the first season, and they went with an entirely different uh, director-producer for the second season. And they even were going to get rid of Aaron Gray. Gil Gerard had to threaten to walk off the show to keep Aaron Gray. <laughs> <laughs> and they moved her into a mini skirt, pointy shoulder uh-huh. outfit, yep. and stuck her at a radio console like the Yep. yep. I and really, that. the only good thing that come out of the second season of Buck Rogers in the 25th century was Hawk. I liked, know, I liked Hawk's character. I liked Hawk's character, but he just didn't seem to fit into the show he, very well. He didn't, but his character was good. Yeah, his character was but good. They but tried man, make, was... they tried to make they tried to make Hawk Spock and they tried to yeah. make, you know, Kirk from uh, Buck Rogers. But he just seemed out of place. But the first two episodes of Buck Rogers in the 25th century, that 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 premiere two-parter, that's awesome. That is fun. They didn't even keep Mel Blank as the voice of Twiggy. It, it didn't even try and find somebody to emulate his deeper voice. Beedy, 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 beedy. Hello, yeah, Buck. they went to with they went with, with this high pitched guy. Yeah, yeah that high pitched. Like, okay, Buck. All right, Buck. I'll go get you another margarita. I mean, what? What the crap? Just, yeah, ugh. yeah, yeah. They they didn't even try. It was just. <laughs> it was sad. It was sad. No, but that would be my official request on Buck Rogers was to just do the first two episodes where you get to meet Buck. Sounds good. We'll do it once it's drawn. Once it's drawn. Well, since we are drawing this episode, we have 113 titles. So you need to pick a number between 2 and 114. 41. 41. Ooh. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. You're going to like this one. Cool. Because I like this one. So next week, we are going to be discussing the film about a secret military project that endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath that only two teenagers and a group of psychics can stop. Have you got it? No. Well, next week, we are going to be discussing 1988's Akira. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was thinking live action. I wasn't even thinking anime. All right, dude. I'll, I'll get the hookah ready. <laughs> Woo! So we're uh, we're going to do a little blast to our past. Wow. And, uh, that was the an old fir- favorite. Akira. Okay. Cool. So uh, we'll, we'll dig that up. I'll find it someplace. You know, and, we should uh, eat calamari while we discuss it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> something bulbousy, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something that just kind of bursts in your mouth whenever you. Yes. Oh. oh my God! Oh. Bursting in the mouth. Burst. Absolutely. All right. I love this. This is great. <laughs> this is good. Well, next week we're going to discuss uh, Akira. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Our intro and outro music is "Welcome Home" by Cambo. Pod crawl music is "Snack Mix" by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. 
I'm Jason. I'm Red. And we appreciate you listening. Thanks. Take it easy, guys. Okay. Fucking Akira. All right. We just graduated to some high-level shit.